Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The rain over the past few days is welcome. However, some warmth would also be welcome. The cold conditions continue to dominate decisions for farmers on the ground, with many holding off applying plant protection products for as long as they can, as they are rightly afraid of adversely affecting crop growth. This week, Chagas held the latest edition of the Crop Agronomy webinars, looking at different crops around the country. The webinar this month is hosted by Shea Phelan and covers getting the best from plant protection products, and then looks at crop management of winter wheat, barley and oats, management of spring barley, and also management of beet and beans over the coming couple of weeks. There was a series of videos from around the country, which was followed by a question and answer session with an expert panel. The question and answer session was excellent and is worth listening to again, as there was a lot of excellent information, which will help you and your agronomy decisions over the next number of weeks. The first question and answer session centered around getting the best from plant protection products. And Shay Phelan was joined by Dermot Forrestal, a researcher in Oak Park, and Francis Quigley, a farm machinery expert in Chagas Kildalton, and also Kieran Collins, a tillage specialist from Chagas Cork. Shay first asked Francis if lowering the water rates and using low drift nozzles is the easiest solutions for all farmers to reduce drift in the field. I suppose, you know, people do need to just bear in mind that, you know, by going to the, the smaller nozzles, like they're going to and going to lower application rates, they just need to be careful uh, that their uh, product is still getting to the target location. So by going to those, uh, maybe going from, we'll say, from a blue nozzle down to, you know, a yellow nozzle, um, we are going to be reducing the water volumes. So you do need to check your label. Most labels will give you a guide on the, the volume of water that's required. And you'll see maybe that might be between 100 maybe and 300 litres of water. But it, it will also, under that, underneath that, maybe give a, a bit further detail as to when that higher water volume is needed. So maybe if the crop is at a high risk um, uh, or if the crop is dense, you know, you may need those higher water volumes. So people just do need to be, do need to be careful uh, not to be rushing to lower water volumes, uh, particularly in dense crops where they where they need to get through a, a canopy um, to make sure they get accurate coverage across the field. Yeah, and potatoes comes to mind from that point of view, especially when you're trying to come throw a blight. Uh, sometimes if you cut down the, the water volume, you don't get good penetration of those big canopies. So uh, very good point. The other point there just as well, Francis, while I have you, in terms of working pressure on the sprayer and the forward speed, does that have much of an impact on, on drift? It, it does say, um, Joe, like as we increase forward speed, you know, if we are, let's say we're on the same nozzle, Joe, our pressure is actually going to have to increase to maintain that application rate. So even if we just take a standard blue nozzle and, and you know, there is uh, charts available uh, that people can refer to, you know, to get their, their forward speed and their application rates right. But if we just take an example there of um, our, our blue nozzle, and maybe doing a, an application rate of 140 litres uh, per hectare. Um, at seven kilometres per hour, you're talking about a spray pressure of 1.5 uh, bar uh, to get that application rate. Your spray quality at that stage is medium. You know, and with the same nozzle, go to eight kilometres per hour, uh, you're going to have to increase your pressure, pressure up to two bars. So you're going to, uh, and your spray quality is going to find there straight away. You know, and that's only just one kilometre. As you move up along, obviously 10 kilometres, you've gone to three bar and 12 kilometers, you've gone up as far as four bar, Joe, and your spray quality constantly, you, you know, you're intro introducing higher pressure. So you're atomizing uh, that liquid more. So it is going to be more prone to, to drift. And do you, do you reduce the, 
the higher or increased pressure for low drift nozzles versus versus flat fans is there any difference there well again like if people they will if they if they check the charts for the nozzle that they're going to you know it's important just to see there is an actual um, standardized uh, 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 we'll say spray quality you know, lists and that will be on all of those uh, charts for each particular nozzle you know, so you know it gives you you know fine medium coarse very coarse up along so do check uh, the, the, your working pressure uh, for your nozzle Joe you know, to make sure that that spray quality Joe you know, will give you a guide there yeah. straight away before and you. I think it's important that everybody realize that there is a specific recommendation for each nozzle in each situation so they need to need to need to consult those charts as you mm -hmm. say um, Dermot just moving over to I mean, like Francis said, there's a whole load of varieties and nozzles and colours and shapes and sizes and all that sort of carrying. Is it not just easiest, and I know you're kind of making the point not to, but is it not just easiest pick a low drift nozzle, stick with it through the season and away you go? Yeah, there's a temptation to do that. And, you know, taking what Kieran spoke about in terms of stripe, the temptation might be to go for the 90% drift reduction nozzle. But that brings you into a, quite a coarse spectrum of droplets. You know, they're in the in the category list that Francis just spoke about there. They would be extremely coarse or ultra coarse. So your deposition at that point or, or more, more importantly, your coverage might not be as good with those with those with those nozzles. So I would say a more intermediary uh, air induction nozzle. Uh, ones that maybe would give you something in the region of 50 percent drift are a more universal tool. And look, as Francis explained there, there's nozzle charts there that make the selection very easy. So if you have three or four nozzle positions on each holder where you just flick between them, the thing to do there is have a standard flat fan nozzle, maybe a moderate 50% uh, reduction uh, air induction nozzle. And if you need it, a 90% uh, drift reduction air induction nozzle, if you need to benefit from that or to use that in the stripe sort of scenario. I think that's the, probably the most practical thing to do. But be careful that there's always a trade-off between drift reduction, if you like, and coverage, which for some products won't affect efficacy at all. But for other products where you have small targets, they will affect efficacy to some extent. And is there, Darwin, when you're talking about efficacy, is there a kind of a water volume that you would recommend that farmers use on cereals or does that change from product to product? It, yeah, it does change from product to product. Look, the, the manufacturers of the products are very cautious. Many of them will stick with what they've tested the product at, which is 200 litres uh, applica application rate, 200 litres per hectare, and stick to that. Many growers know that they can go at lower volumes than that. And in many kind of mid-season sort of spray applications with normal products, you know, there would be research there that would support that you can probably come back towards 100 litres per hectare. But if you're in your potato crop, Shea, as you know well, and indeed your ear spray with, you know, uh, different sort of fungicide products on wheat and so on, a higher volume may be better in that scenario. So you need to consider volume very, very carefully. There is scope to reduce volume with some products, but not necessarily with all products in all situations. And while we're talking about that, Dermot, is there any other technologies that guys can use to, to try and reduce drift? Yeah, look, you mentioned some of them already with Francis in terms of, say, pressure and so on. Also, the height of the boom, keeping it as low as possible is very important. In terms of other technologies, then, um, outside of ordinary kind of nozzles, you have the air blast sprayer, you know, the hardy twin type, which uses conventional nozzles, but kind of forces it into the crop with a blast of air. And that allows you have, you know, the, the, the finer or medium spray quality if you need it, but you still have something that's control and drift. So it's a good technology, but more expensive. Something that has a bit of interest lately is, you know, charged droplets, if you like. In the past, 
there were systems and again there's a magnet system magro have a system out now which will reduce drift to some extent but probably less tried than some of the products that are there so there are different technologies different costs as well the air induction nozzles are probably the least expensive means of, of drift reduction yeah and, and for most for most guys to give good enough coverage for what they're trying to do thanks for that darren kieran just to move on to you i mean a lot of the problems we're hearing in terms of uh, pesticides in in water are coming from the grassland side has specifically probably mcpa are there products that tillage farmers should be aware of in terms of their limits with stripe and so on yeah she, i suppose mcpa is the obvious one uh 75 of exceedances tend to come from mcpa and i suppose you know that's obvious in terms of where that's typically used in terms of runoff leaching and that um so obviously that emphasizes is the importance of you know um ground conditions when you're spraying and obviously uh, obeying stripe as well that would be a crucial one i suppose in terms of the 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 general run of products that we use on on tillage crops i would say the vast majority would have a five meter buffer zone but there would be some that would be much wider than that you'd have we'll see your likes of proline would be five you'd likes of a lattice era then would be would be 10 meters um turn or winger would be 15 and that's an interesting one it's the only one as far as i know i'm aware that's non-reducible so just just important to note that and then you have newer products and i you know the likes of Questar, which should be an in the inner track product this year would be 30 meters so it is important to, to consult the label and to be just aware of uh, of the buffer zones and also, I suppose, when you have a number of products in the tank, obviously, it's the one with the highest buffer zone is, is the one that you go by. And maybe I, I should also say as well, and hopefully came across in the little video there, but, you know, it's where anywhere there's a there's a water body. You know, obviously, if it's a, an ordinary hedgerow, that's that's absolutely fine. It's just where it's, you know, we're concerned with pesticides getting into water. The next session focused on winter crop management, and Shay was joined by Mark Trimble, a Chagas advisor in Kilkenny, and John Pettit, a Chagas advisor in Wexford, and also by Kieran Collins. Shea first asked John about the level of disease pressure in crops in Wexford and what a fungicide program might look like for the flagleaf application. For the month of um, April in Johnstown, in the run up to a T1 ap application, we only had 2.7 millimeters of rainfall, so disease pressure was very low. Um, but again, like between T1 and T2, that could all change. So. It'll be dictated, what's used in the T2 will be largely dictated by what weather is shown us between now and T2. So if we see a significant amount of rainfall events, that's going to increase supplier pressure dramatically. And in a situation like that, you'd be looking for a product or products that have strong curative activity. So your newer chemistries, such as an Inatrek type product um, or the likes of a Revistar, along with the inclusion of a multi-site would probably be the way to go in that situation. Yeah, and I was noticing there, there was different recommendations coming in from the different from yourself, was different from Elaine, which was different from Connor. So, in terms of mixing up and matching products, I mean, alternating products is probably the way you'd be looking to go, I presume. Yeah, again, Shay, as an anti resistant strategy, because again, some of our newer actives only have a single site um, mode of action. So, it's hugely important that um, the same products are, are protected, that we get longevity out and going forward. Um, so it's, as you mentioned, it's hugely important that we alternate products and, and different active ingredients. Okay, and fall pet, I presume, will go into to the second application as well. Just In to all cases, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, listen, thanks, John. Mark, just moving over to you then. We haven't heard from you yet on winter barley. Um, 
I noticed there again, crops you were saying are under pressure and under stress. Are you seeing, are they still near odds merging Kenny yet? A very variable, Shay. Um, so, some are at likes of Joyo that we saw there in one of the videos. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's more, more further on, I suppose, and we are seeing some odds merging there. But then other, other uh, two rows are, are a little bit behind that. So like Connor was saying, it's, it's, it is vitally important to get out into the field and, and walk these crops uh, to see where they're at and, and get that timing right for the, uh, for the final spray at on emergence. And in terms of that, what, what are you thinking in terms of product choice in Kilkenny? What's, what's your thought? Yeah, well, I suppose, look at Ramularia is the, is the, what we're trying to combat against at this stage. And um, with them, like, like everywhere, crops being under pressure there in, in, in April, it might, it would be more susceptible to that maybe. So it's, it's important that they get on uh, at the right time. Unfortunately, chlorothanolil being gone, and uh, none of the replacements are as good, but they, they, the likes of Fulpus, Revisol, Pataiaconazole, all have, have uh, efficacy on, on Ramillaria. So uh, definitely the, a bit like the, the wheat, the, the litre and a half of Fulpus, along with, with half rate, um, Azole and, and, and uh, Straub probably would be the, the way to go in that final spray. And as you say, ideally timed as the yawns are just coming out rather than leaving them to, to head out fully. Yes, definitely. Just uh, just in that that paintbrush stage, as we call it, when they're just emerging rather than leaving uh, leaving it a bit further on. Yeah, and I think there was a good picture of, of, a, of a crop just like that, as you said, Joe, you earlier on as well. So, Kieran, just moving over to you then, in terms of maybe some of those early crops that are going to be sprayed this week um, and some of the T3s or T leaf trees, should I say, on winter wheat as well. There's frost coming for later on this week. So, what can guys do in that scenario where they they still have to go the time the crop is where it needs to be at for that ideal timing? What can they do to reduce the stress on those crops? Yeah, Shea, I, I I picked up and Connor said it a few times. You know how important it is to walk crops at the moment. You have to get in, look at the crop. Um, you know, in terms of growth regulation, I suppose that's the number one question I've got in terms of winter barley. Definitely in the last week or ten days, you know, people might have planned say a second growth regulator in around growth stage 37, 39, you know, they're, they're walking the crop now, they're finding a crop that's under stress for maybe previous applications and that, and like you, you, you just can't apply a growth regulator on a crop that's, that's under stress. And as you mentioned there, there's frost coming this week. So you really need to get out into the field and, and, and assess, you know, where the crop is in terms of growth stage um you know in terms of the density of the crop you know the risk to lodging you know we you know look up the, the recommended list in terms of of the variety ratings that kind of thing i i think in certainly in terms of winter barley growth regulation it's not a binary yes no answer like i say you have to or connor said you have to go out and see what's in front of you i would think if it's a high risk situation say a variety with a poor um poor resistance to lodging high nitrogen and maybe a thicker crop I would be inclined to leave it as late as I possibly could to do that. You know, you certainly, and just want to repeat it, like not apply growth regulators and, and crops that are under stress. I think that would be, that would be my big one, really, Shay. And on that, Kieran, have you any experience of, say, like of seaweeds or anything like that to try and reduce or, or, or any of those products to try amino acids, to try and reduce stress on yeah. crops? 
Yeah, look, there, there, there are a few products on the market now. Um, you know, the likes of seaweed, and I suppose when you when you look up some of the some of the stuff behind it, you know, they they, they can possibly have an effect. Unfortunately, I suppose from Chagas' perspective, we don't really have any solid information that we can give to growers other than, you know, I suppose that you know there are some 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 bits of information there that they can help to reduce stress. But look, from Chagas' perspective, we haven't uh, you know uh, full trials done in the yet. The final panel discussion focused on spring crops. The panel comprised of own lines and advisor in the Chagas Burmal Joint Programme, John Pettit, Dermot Forrestal, Kieran Collins, and Dr. Louise McNamara, an entomologist in Oak Park. She first asked Louise about the new aphid towers and if there's any useful information coming out of them yet. So we have um, an aphid tower in Cork and Oak Park, and we also are going to have one in Ashtown in Dublin. But at the moment, we have a smaller portable one, so we can still monitor there a bit. Um, so what the aphids tower can do at the moment is they can tell us the number of migrating aphids um, in the different locations. And each tower represents an 80 kilometre uh, area around the tower. And then longer term, we will be able to test the aphids for virus and resistance. So there'll be more information for the farmers. But at the moment, we just have the aphid numbers and the numbers at the moment. So we aren't we haven't caught any aphids that vector BYDV yet. Uh, the numbers in Oak Park so far is five aphids have been caught so far, um, but they aren't BYDV vectors. Cork is 10, no BYDV vectors. And um, Ashtown, there's uh, a number as well, but no main pests for uh, BYDV. So although there is no thresholds in place, obviously, so I can't say when it gets to five or 10 or whatever you should spray, it still gives us an idea of what's happening out there. And then in contrast, if we look in the field, so that's obviously the ones uh, migrating at a long distance. In the field, we monitored some winter barley um, plots in the last couple of weeks at growth stage 31. The numbers in Carlo were quite low. They were uh, zero to four aphids per 50 tillers and they were twice as high in cork so that's just to give you an idea what it's out there but we can't we can't but there is no we, number yeah, we, yeah that yes. tells us um so you have to make your decisions based on the weather uh, when you planted if your area is high risk if the history of the field of bydv and then also walking the crops and actually seeing if you see aphids there so because there's no threshold if you're seeing uh, aphids in your crop that's considered a good reason to spray. Okay, and are, are you are you carrying out any other types of research on 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 different uh, viruses or or vectors or anything like that in in Oak Park? Yeah, so um, we have a project looking at Orpadi to determine um, if there's resistance issue with that. So obviously, we know there's resistance issues with grain aphid, um, and in the Traps were actually seeing a lot of orpadi more so than um, grain aphids in the last year. So we want to look at the relative importance of each of them as BYDV vectors. Um, and also if their resistance issues are spreading to more vectors than just the grain aphid. Okay. Thanks for that, Louise. Oh, and just to switch to you, I mean, you've, you gave a report there on spring barley. So you're probably best qualified to see more variety in terms of spring barley than anybody else. Um, What's your feeling in terms of the current conditions and herbicides this week? Should guys do them? Is there things they can do or not do in terms of weed control? Yeah, look, I suppose it's it's common there enough about spraying growth regulation and stuff that it's very tricky to get spraying carried out at the moment. And looking at the weather for next week, it's certainly for, for inland counties, it's going to be well below zero at night time. So 
really herbicides on spring barley this week you know the crop is kind of stressed there as it is so hitting a bit of herbicide might not be the best thing to do you know even though crops are kind of for the most part you know got four leaves rarely tillering and you know weeds are kind of at the perfect stage to control them but I think for the, for looking at the weather for the week um, it might be best just to leave herbicide application off like you said in the video there too that the um, T1 stage and try and control them then even though you know, weeds might be that bit bigger and might be harder to control, but I think just trying to keep the, the stress off the crop is probably most important at this stage. Yeah. And seeing as you mentioned T1, Owen, any ideas what you're going to recommend for T1 applications of spring barley? Yeah, look, it's like was said in the videos there, you're looking at something like your proline plus your straw, and I suppose it's, it's the timing is kind of very important there at sort of your mid to late tillering to try and protect them tillers um, from like your net blotch and your wrinkle. Um, and even more important, I suppose, this year without or tannin being used at T2, uh, we need to try and keep the stress off the crop to, to avoid remillaria coming in. So that, that application at T1 will be very important uh, from that point of view as well. Okay, thanks, Owen. Just a couple of quick questions, guys. I'm going to ask you to try and be as brief as you possibly can because we're running out of time. John, Peter, just a quick question to you on wild oats in winter wheat crops. Some crops haven't been sprayed yet. Any recommendation what guys should do? Uh, so, so you'll have a number of options. So... Um... Yeah, obviously you have the likes of Cheat of Extra, which is still, from a growth stage point of view, you can still use it, up to growth stage 41. And we think it's what's on the label. Um, Axial as well can be applied quite late as well. So look at something like Cheat Extra um, or alternatively Axial with, with a T1, if you haven't applied a T1 yet. But again, I suppose it's back to Owen's point. Again, just, just made, we just need to be conscious of weather conditions, again, regardless of what we put on a crop. Um, and putting a wild oat, um, herbicide in a tank with a fungicide will um, increase the risk of scorching or damaging the crop as well. So it's just, I suppose, whether we need to be hugely, important, uh, hugely conscious of it. Okay. Quick question on B, Kieran. Uh, any comments on mangle fly control? Yeah, um, I suppose the weather again, we're all the talk today is about the weather, but it's not really conducive, I suppose, at, at, at the moment. Um, it's difficult to control because, um, you know, we don't have dimethyl anymore and you know you're spraying a big canopy at the time so there look if if it is an issue there 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 are insecticides that are approved so you you can do that but it's important to go in and monitor rather than just spraying you know because you had the problem in the past okay thanks. The best is there first. thanks Kieran. Dermot a quick question I, I i don't see it on the screen here but there was a question earlier on about charts and all that sort of thing for different nozzles where where can people get those charts? Are they available from the manufacturers or where can you get them? They are, yeah. And I think Francis put an answer up there. So there's all of the manufacturers, the nozzle manufacturers like T-Jet, like Hypro, uh, like Leclerc, they all have very, very good information. More and more, Shea, as well, a lot of them have um, smartphone apps that helps you in terms of nozzle selection or in terms of the whole spraying operation. And look, some of them are quite complex and some very good. You showed me one there last week, actually. So they're worth looking at as well. But yes, there's, there's a huge amount of nozzle information on the web from the big manufacturers. Yeah, there was a spray assist app and it's kind of, it includes a lot of the nozzles that are available there, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, it's up to yourself to put yeah. in the nozzles yourself. Yeah, if you know exactly. What I mean, it'll, exactly. it'll give you guidance then. So that's it for the tillage edge. And my thanks to Shay and all the panel members for this excellent webinar. A full video of the webinar can be viewed on the Chagas Crops page on YouTube. The next episode in the series of crop agronomy webinars will be in June. And of course, we are at the planning stage of the Oak Park Open Day. There's a strong desire for everyone here in Oak Park to welcome everyone to Oak Park this year. 
However, this will depend on how the country relaxes the COVID restrictions. Keep an eye on the Chagas website, www.chagas.ie, for more details. Don't forget, if you like the podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more Tillage news and advice.